If you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 to 8 will be our scripture reading for this morning in a message that I have entitled, A Ministry to Be Remembered. A Ministry to Be Remembered. As we consider the subject of spiritual leadership in the local church, it's instructive for us to hear from the Word of God and to hear what God has to say on spiritual leadership. And I pray this would be an encouragement and a blessing not only to the men who are in training for spiritual leadership, but also for all of us in the local church, that we may know what God's Word has to say on the topic of spiritual leadership and how to apply this to our lives. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 8, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version translation of Holy Scripture. The writer of Hebrews says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is God's word. Mr. Gustafson was a quite unusual grade school teacher. I know this because I had Mr. Gustafson when I was in fifth grade. Mr. Gustafson was the only teacher I know who had an aquarium in his classroom, not an aquarium filled with fish, but it was an aquarium which was the home of his pet snake. This made all the fifth graders very excited to attend his classroom. Mr. Gustafson had Apple IIe computers back when personal computers were really big and cool. And Mr. Gustafson was the only teacher I know who played football with his students during PE. I remember being on Gust Mr. Gustafson's team one day. He saw that no one was covering me. He threw the football to me approximately one yard. He yelled at me to run. And this resulted in the one and the only moment of athletic glory <laughs> I experienced in all of grade school. Through the years, I've run into alumni of Mr. Gustafson's class, and everyone says that he was the best. People still have fond memories of being in fifth grade, and everyone remembers Mr. Gustafson. Good teachers are remembered long after the teaching is complete. And if that is true in the natural realm, it is even more true in the spiritual realm. Good teachers, good spiritual leaders in the church are remembered long after their ministry is completed. Good spiritual leaders in the church leave a memory that is sanctifying and that is edifying for all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why in our passage, the writer of Hebrews exhorts believers in verse 7 to remember your leaders. Remember your leaders. That verb, remember, is a present tense imperative. It describes an ongoing, continual activity. 
the writer of Hebrews is saying that the memory of spiritual leaders in the church is to be actively cultivated and rehearsed in the local church. We are to continually remember those who have spoken the word of God to us and have sought to live a godly life before us. To the brothers in the spiritual leadership program here at Hope Bible Church, I will ask you this. What kind of memory will you leave as a result of your ministry here at Hope Bible Church? In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 8, we will consider a ministry that is worth remembering. Now, you'll remember that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who had been converted out of Judaism into Christianity. These Jewish believers had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Christ had lived and died and risen again in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. They had believed in Christ and they had received salvation and forgiveness of sins. And yet, because of societal pressure and because of persecution of believers in that day, these believers were being tempted to return back to Judaism. The writer of Hebrews in this book warns these believers against going back to their old life of Judaism and calls them to persevere in the Christian faith. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. The writer of Hebrews says you need to move forward and go on, not go back to your old life of Judaism. As part of his exhortation to the believers not to go back to Judaism, the writer of Hebrews spends the majority of his book demonstrating the superiority of Christ over all that was found in the Old Testament system. The theme of this book is the superiority of Christ. That Christ is the fulfillment of all that was spoken of in the Old Testament scriptures. Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and promises. The Old Testament system had the shadow, but Christ is the reality. Therefore, why would those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and have experienced the fullness of all that Christ has to offer go back to a system which was merely a shadow of greater things to come? This is the argument of this book. That Christ is superior to all the angels, Hebrews chapters 1 and 2. That all of the angels worship Christ. Christ is superior to Moses, Hebrews chapter 3. Christ has a superior priesthood than the priesthood of Aaron and Melchizedek, Hebrews chapters 5 to 7. Christ is a minister of a new covenant, a covenant which is better than the old covenant given in the days of Moses. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 10, Christ's sacrifice on the cross is superior to the sacrifices of lambs and bulls and goats in the Old Testament. Christ is the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament pointed forward to. Therefore, do not go back, but move forward in maturity and persevere in the faith. This is the purpose of this book. And so as we come to Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews now gets very practical. 
In Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews addresses verse 1, brotherly love. Verse 2, hospitality. Verse 4, he addresses marriage. Verse 5, he addresses the love of money. Verse 7, he addresses spiritual leadership. Verse 15, worship. Verse 16, doing good and sharing. Verse 17, congregational life. And verse 18, prayer. The message of chapter 13 is this. Persevering in the faith and pressing on to maturity has practical implications for how we live in the community of faith in the local church. It is one thing to speak about how Christ is superior to angels, to Moses, to the Old Testament priesthood and the Old Testament sacrifices. It is another thing to do life well here in the community of faith in the local church. But persevering in faith has implications as to how we do life in the local church. That brings us to the exhortation in verse 7. And in Hebrews chapters 13, verses 7 to 8, we will see three features of a ministry worth remembering. Feature number one, a ministry worth remembering is devoted to God's Word. A ministry worth remembering is devoted to God's Word. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Now this verse describes the essential ministry of a spiritual leader in the most simplest terms. The congregation is exhorted to remember your leaders, not for their charisma, not for their creativity, not for their ingenuity, not for their talents. But the ministry of spiritual leaders in verse 7 is described in this way. They are those who spoke to you the word of God. The essence of spiritual leadership here is defined as the faithful ministry of God's Word. Spiritual leaders are not to be remembered for their words. Spiritual leaders are to be remembered for their faithfulness to God's Word. Now you notice in verse 7, the writer says, remember your leaders. The your there is important. There was a personal relationship between these leaders and the congregation. These are not leaders who ministered from a far and distant land. They were Known, They had a relationship with the believers who were in the church. If you drop down to verse 17, the writer of Hebrews will say this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Note there again the relationship between leader and congregation. According to verse 17, these are leaders who keep watch over your souls. Verse 17, your leaders will have to give an account for you. Verse 17, your spiritual life will either cause your leaders to rejoice or will cause your leaders to groan. Oh, Bible Church, can I put it this way? There are a lot of spiritual leaders in the body of Christ. In the worldwide body of Christ, there are 
a lot of spiritual leaders. And you can access the ministry of these leaders on the internet, on podcasts and interviews and conferences and in books. Yet in this passage, there is a particular focus upon the leaders who minister in a particular and specific congregation. Remember your leaders. The leaders who give their lives to watch over your souls. These are the leaders who know your names. These are the leaders who labor in prayer over you. These are the leaders who rejoice when you rejoice. These are the leaders who weep when you weep. Remember your leaders. You'll note the word leaders there. Hegeomai in the Greek, it's not the word for elder, presbuteros, or the word for deacon, diakonos. It's a term that's more general in nature, leaders. The emphasis here is not so much on a specific office as it is on a specific responsibility. Of course, every elder and deacon will be a spiritual leader, but not every spiritual leader has the office of elder or deacon. Spiritual leadership is not, first of all, an office. It is, first of all, a responsibility and a ministry. And the ministry is this. There are those who spoke to you the Word of God. Can we make it as simple as possible? A spiritual leader is primarily a minister of the 66 books of the inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, written Word of God in the Scriptures. We're ministers of the book. Examine the ministry of spiritual leaders in the early church. Their ministry was defined by the speaking of God's Word. Acts 4, verse 29, the early church prayed, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your Word with all boldness. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Acts 8, verse 25, Now when they had testified and had spoken the word of God, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is what spiritual leadership is. This is what spiritual leaders do. Spiritual leaders speak God's word. The Greek term for speak is the word laleo. It's, again, a general word. It's not the term caruso, which means to preach. It's not even the term didasco, which means to teach. The Greek term laleo is broad enough to describe formal acts of preaching and formal acts of teaching, but it also can describe simply the act of everyday communication. Speaking the Word of God. Ephesians 5 verse 4 verse 25 uses the term laleo in this way. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Of course, there are those in the church who caruso, who preach the word of God. There are those in the church who teach didasco in the classroom and formal instruction. There are even those who are equipped to counsel, nuthatel, to admonish in the counseling room and in one-on-one meetings. The most general description of a spiritual leader's ministry 
is the leader speaks the word. He speaks the word. Sometimes to adults, sometimes to youth and children. Sometimes we speak the word of God out loud. Sometimes we speak the word of God quietly and softly in conversation. Sometimes we speak the word in one-hour lectures, and sometimes we speak the word in five-minute conversations. But the bottom line is this, we speak God's word. We speak God's word. Originality is overrated in ministry. We are not called to be original. We are called to be faithful. We are called to follow the pattern described in Ezra 7 verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. First comes study, then comes obedience, and then and only then comes teaching to others. We're to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ to address controversy by quoting Scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 2. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And how did Jesus respond to this controversy? Verse 3, he said to them, Have you not read? Verse 5, he said, Have you not read? Verse 7, he quotes scripture, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice. Jesus Christ didn't answer controversy by relying on his own authority. He answered controversy by relying on the authority of scripture. Dare we do any less as those who are called to be faithful to God's word? We must follow the exhortation Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Spurgeon said, Oh, that you and I may get into the very heart of the Word of God and get that Word into ourselves. It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your very style is fashioned upon scripture models and what is better still, your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. He continues, I would quote John Bunyan as an instance of what I mean. Read anything of his and you will see it is almost like reading the Bible itself. He had it read till his very soul was saturated with scripture. Why, this man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere. His blood is bibbling. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the Word of God. Oh, that God may raise up spiritual leaders in the church who love God's Word and who put the Word of God into their hearts so that as they minister in the context of everyday life, what comes out of their heart is the life-giving, soul-healing truth of the beautiful truth of the Word of God. Brothers in the spiritual leadership program, what a privilege we have to study and to speak God's Word. Brothers, will you give yourself to the study 
of the 66 books of the inspired Word of God. Both Old Testament and New Testament, narrative and prophecy, poetry and principle. Will you give yourself to the study of sound doctrine and the application of doctrine to real life issues? And brothers, will you commit your soul to daily delight yourself in the Word of God? Psalm 119, verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I rejoice in the ways of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Feature number one, a ministry worth remembering is devoted to God's word. Feature number two, a ministry worth remembering is devoted to godly conduct. Godly conduct. Hebrews 13, verse 7, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now it appears in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews is speaking of spiritual leaders who have ministered to the congregation in the past. Down in verse 17, it appears he speaks of spiritual leaders who are ministering in the present. There he says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are present tense, keeping watch over your souls. But in verse 7, he says, remember your leaders, those who past tense spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And that word outcome is very interesting. Ekbasis in the Greek, it literally can be translated to exit or to end. In fact, this is how the King James Version translation renders this verse, considering the end of their conversation. The idea here in verse 7 is that the writer of Hebrews is referring that to the totality of the spiritual leaders' lives. He is speaking to the sum total of the entire example that they have set. Remember, these leaders have ministered in the congregation to the people who they have shepherded. And the totality of their lives have become known to the congregation by personal acquaintance and observation. And so he says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The phrase way of life, one word in the Greek, refers to day-to-day -day conduct their manner of living. It's not their Sunday behavior. It's their Monday to Saturday behavior and conduct. These ministers have led the congregation in the past, and now they are to be remembered for their ministry in the present. And here in the text, the focus shifts from the content of the message to the character of the messenger. A spiritual leader is one who speaks God's word, and a spiritual leader is one who sets a godly example for others to follow. Sound teaching and sound living are married together in this biblical text. This is the pattern spoken of in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Paul told Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So that's the content of the message the speaking of God's word, the speaking of sound 
doctrine. But then he says in verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. That's the character of the messenger. The sound living that accompanies the teaching of sound doctrine. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I want you to speak God's word and I want you to set a godly example for others to follow. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So going back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, these leaders are to be remembered not only for their message, they are also to be remembered for their godly conduct. This is consistent with the rest of the New Testament, is it not? Titus 2, verse 1, Paul says to Titus, as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. So sound doctrine is important. Sound doctrine is essential. But then Paul turns to the issue of godly conduct. As you teach sound doctrine, don't forget sound living. Verse 2, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Sound doctrine is essential, but so is sound living. These are married together in the biblical text. They must never be separated. I don't need to remind you of the qualifications of an elder in the local church, 1 Timothy chapter 3. There is only one qualification which relates to skill, the elder must be able to teach. All of the other qualifications relate to character, to godly conduct. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2. An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Spiritual leaders do not live a perfect life, but what they do is pursue lives of godliness. They are known to the congregation so the whole church can be encouraged to pursue sanctification and godliness as well. And so the writer of Hebrews says in verse 7, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is the heart of discipleship. Example and imitation. We imitate those who have gone before us. We seek to set an example for others to imitate as we follow Christ. Oh, friends, how the church needs spiritual leaders who are more godly than they are gifted. 
friends, how the church needs spiritual leaders who have a real and genuine walk with the Lord and out of that walk with the Lord bear the fruit of godly conduct in their faith. How the church needs leaders who seek to live lives of holy conduct, not perfectly, but setting a pattern of life for others to follow. This is a ministry that is to be remembered. A devotion to God's Word and a devotion to godly conduct. One of my favorite professors in seminary was the great Dr. Jim Roskup, who has since gone to be with the Lord. Dr. Roskup was a brilliant man, an academic scholar. He had two theological doctorates. He was known for getting up each morning at 4 a.m. and spending the first two hours of the morning in prayer. And recently, a friend and I were reminiscing about our days in seminary and what a privilege it was to sit under the teaching of this great theologian, and yet we sat under his exposition of Daniel and his exposition of Revelation, and yet what we most remembered about Dr. Roskup was his godly conduct. How he humbly and sincerely cared for the students in his class. He was known for writing down each student's prayer requests on a list, diligently praying for them, and then following up with them to see if the Lord had answered those prayers. And we were sitting there in the living room 25 years after we had taken his class, and we were saying, and we just wanted to be more like him. This is the power of godly example. Brothers who are training for spiritual leadership in the church, I say this from the bottom of my heart. Care more about the cultivation of your character than you care about outward success in ministry. Care more about going deep in your walk with the Lord than you care about titles or position or numbers or reputation. Make it your aim to be a humble servant of Christ. And by God's grace, bear the sweet fruit of the Spirit so that others may see Christ-like character in you. A ministry worth remembering is devoted to God's Word. A ministry worth remembering is devoted to godly conduct. And then thirdly, lastly, a ministry worth remembering is devoted to Christ. Is devoted to Christ. Verse 7, remember your leaders those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. But then verse 8, the writer of Hebrews adds, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now I want you to know that verse 8 is not an isolated remark. It must be understood in the context of where it is found. We mentioned in verse 7 that it appears that the ministry of these spiritual leaders has come to an end. Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews speaks of the end or the exit, the outcome of their way of life. And then in verse 8, the writer of Hebrews quickly adds, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I make a simple observation here? The ministry of spiritual leaders, the ministry of even your most favorite spiritual leader, is not forever. Even the heroes of faith spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11, at some point, each of their lives 
their earthly lives came to an end. We are here today and we are gone tomorrow. At some point, every spiritual leader, no matter how great their impact, exits the stage. But in contrast to these spiritual leaders who are temporal and have a temporary ministry, Jesus Christ never changes. Jesus Christ is not only faithful, loving, and merciful. Jesus Christ is forever faithful. He is forever loving. He is forever merciful. He is forever holy. He is forever unchanging in His glorious attributes. Seasons change. Peoples change. Fads and fashions, they come and go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in verse 8, the unchangeable nature of Jesus Christ is contrasted with the temporary nature of spiritual leaders in the church. While these spiritual leaders spoken of in verse 7 are no longer with us, Jesus Christ will never leave us or forsake us. Dear friends, church family, love your spiritual leaders. Pray for them. Submit to them as far as they ask you to do what is found in the Word of God. Pray for them. Make their ministry a joy and not a burden. Learn from them. Consider them as gifts from the Lord and imitate their faith. But friends, may I also add this. Do not worship your spiritual leaders. Do not exalt them to a place of ultimate authority. Do not rely upon your spiritual leaders more than you rely on Christ Himself. Understand that the best of men are but men. Your spiritual leaders will come and they will go. Your leaders will change, but the truth that they have taught you about the Lord Jesus Christ from the inspired Word of God will never change. Isaiah 40, verse 6, All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. And brothers who are in the spiritual leadership program of this church, can I say to you this? In the end, let us remember that we are but clay pots. Let us not become overly impressed with ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord. And ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. I think often of the ministry of John the Baptist. Jesus himself said in Matthew 11 that among those born of women, there's arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And yet John's role was simply to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Once Christ's public ministry began, the prominence of John's ministry was over. And John's disciples struggled with this issue. I mean, one day they're the hot spiritual movement of the day, and next day it's over and everyone's going to Jesus. And they even said in John 3 verse 26, they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. 
And what did John say? John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. John understood. I'm not the Messiah. I'm simply the one who was to point to him. Now that his ministry is beginning, the prominence of my life is fading. And in that, I Rejoice. Every spiritual leader's ministry comes to an end. There comes a time for all of us where we need to seed the stage. In the end, our role is simply to point people to Christ. But Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, that's a reference to the past. Jesus Christ came to this earth as a man. He lived a perfect life in obedience to the law. He died. He On the cross, he rose again. He conquered sin and death and hell. Jesus Christ is the same today. That's a reference to the present. Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father. He presently lives to make intercession for us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His salvation, Hebrews 5 verse 9, is an eternal salvation. His redemption, Hebrews 9, verse 12, is an eternal redemption. And the inheritance that Jesus Christ gives, Hebrews 9, verse 15 tells us, is an eternal inheritance. Brothers, do you want a ministry worth remembering? Love Christ more than you love your ministry. I love Christ more than you love preaching, teaching, your title or role or position or influence, the outward success of what you do. Love the one who has loved you and was given your li- his life to save you, who has risen from the dead and presently intercedes for you, who will be with you now and forevermore. One of my favorite books that has impacted my life and ministry greatly is D.A. Carson's Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor. Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor is a biographical treatment of D.A. Carson's father, Tom Carson. D.A. Carson is a prominent theologian who is known nationally and even worldwide, but his father, Tom Carson, was not well known at all. Tom Carson's ministry spanned six decades. He labored in obscurity. He experienced great discouragements and endured many trials. D.A. Carson sums up his dad's ministry in this way. He says, quote, most of us are ordinary pastors. And dad was one of them. The book records Tom's journal entries, and many of them read like this, Sunday, March 5th, 1961, rose at 6.50 a.m., 
prayer and study, preached poorly from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 24 people present. Evening service, 19 people present, preached from Romans 1 poorly, went to mother's, watched TV with her. Just the week in, week out activities of an ordinary pastor. When Tom's wife, Marge, was diagnosed with Alzheimer, he continued to sacrificially care for her. And three years after Marge went to be with the Lord, he followed his wife into eternity. And D.A. Carson said this in remembrance of his father. Tom Carson never rose very far in denominational structures, but hundreds of people testify how much he loved them. He never wrote a book, but he loved the book. He was never wealthy or powerful, but he kept growing as a Christian. He was not a far-sighted visionary, but he looked forward to eternity. He was not a gifted administrator, but there is no text that says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you are good administrators. His journals have many, many entries bathed in tears of contrition, but his children and grandchildren remember his laughter. He was not very good at putting people down, except on his prayer list. When he died, there was no crowds outside his hospital, no editorial comments in the papers, no announcements on television, no mention in parliament, no attention paid by the nation. In his hospital room, there was no one by his bedside. There was only the quiet hiss of oxygen vainly venting because he had stopped breathing and would never need it again. But on the other side, all the trumpets sounded. Dad won entrance to the only throne room that matters. Not because he was a good man or a great man. He was, after all, a most ordinary pastor. But because he was a forgiven man. And he heard the voice of him whom we longed to hear saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Brothers aspiring to spiritual leadership in the church, what will you be remembered for? May the Lord, by his grace, give you a ministry worth remembering, a ministry marked by a devotion to God's word, a devotion to godly conduct, and a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord will give you grace to fulfill your ministry, as the writer of Hebrews says, at the conclusion of this amazing book and at the conclusion of this amazing chapter, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the joy of serving Christ who has loved us. Thank you for these men who have been faithful 
grant them a ministry worth remembering, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.